You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. When we study the first chapter in the Gospel of Luke, it's easy to question why God chose this way to bring redemption to mankind. Couldn't it have been another way? We can imagine several different ways God could have gone about his redemptive plan other than sending his son to be born of a virgin. He could have sent a mighty angel in the form of a man, but that individual would have not been a man. He could have chosen a specifically gifted and holy man that represented God such as Daniel, a man like that. But yet, that man would not be divine. He would not be God, and he wouldn't be perfect. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that the only thing that would work would be the virgin birth. And because Jesus was born of a woman, he was fully man, fully human. Because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, He was at the same time fully God. So the virgin birth was necessary. It's what had to happen. And he was born so that we could be born again. He was born so that we could be born again. Let's look at verse 26. And we're going to go through verses 26 through 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. We see here in verse 26 that Gabriel is sent. Gabriel is the messenger who is entrusted to deliver several different and important messages on God's behalf. And I'll take a few moments to talk and look at about Gabriel. Gabriel's name, my name itself means God is great. He's the angel of communication. He's the one that revealed that the Savior was to be called Jesus in Luke 1, verse 31. Gabriel appears three times in the Bible that it is recorded that it was actually Gabriel. First time we see Gabriel in the Bible is in Daniel chapter 8 as he appears to Daniel, the prophet Daniel. The second time that he's mentioned is when he came to the priest Zechariah to foretell the birth of well, we would become known as John the Baptist in Luke 1, verse 19. And then the third time that we know of is that he appeared to Mary in Luke chapter 1 to tell her that she would be bearing a son, the Holy One. In all three of these appearances, Gabriel was met with fear, but his conversation turned quickly to one of comfort. He gave words of comfort to each one of these individuals that he came into contact with, Daniel, Zechariah, and Mary. And it's possible that Gabriel was the one who appeared to Joseph and relayed to him about the child that his fiancée was going to be pregnant with, or was pregnant with. We're not told in the Bible that was Gabriel, but he is the messenger. So we know that Gabriel was a holy 
and good angel. And he was in favored position as the angel who stands in the presence of God, as we read in Luke 1 and verse 19. An important message for an important messenger who Gabriel was. So it wasn't by chance that Gabriel was chosen. It wasn't by process of illumination. He was chosen because it was the most important message that God sent to the world. So that's how important Gabriel is in this story. Look at verse 27. He has appeared to Mary. He says, to a virgin named Mary, he was, she was engaged to a married man to be that man's name was Joseph, a descendant of King David. So here's some things to understand about Mary. She was youthful. It's estimated she was around 15, 16 years old. So that, that strikes us as being very unusual. But for that time in history, Jewish girls were being married along that age. That was custom. She was humble. She was spiritual. She was from the tribe of Judah, from the lineage of David. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now this engagement process is pretty detailed. Much different than what we know about today. In Judaism, the engagement period for a couple would last 12 months. And when they became engaged, they were considered to be married, but yet there would be no consummation of that marriage until after the 12-month period was over. So there are two phases of this wedding process. And why is all this important? It helps you understand the predicament that Mary would find herself in. So these two phases, number one was there was a 12-month preparation. There was to be no physical contact between the two that were engaged. There would be very little social contact. And the only way to nullify or get out of this engagement was to divorce. Because technically they were considered to be married once they became engaged. So you see what was going through Joseph's mind when he found out she was pregnant. This was a very serious thing. The second phase of this wedding process was that they would actually have a wedding ceremony after the 12 month period. So we're not sure how long they've been engaged, but yet you see the situation. So let's look at verse 28. We're going to read verses 28 through 33. So Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Noticed what we have, we have seen here. In verse 30, the angel tells Mary, you have found favor with God. And this is what is going to happen. Mary was chosen. She didn't volunteer. She was chosen. And remember the prophecy of Isaiah 9, verse 6. 
For a child is to be born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This concept of virgin birth. Mary questions this in verse 34. She says, and Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Why is the concept of a virgin birth so important? The prophet Isaiah talked about a sign that would be given concerning the coming of the Messiah, and that's in Isaiah 7 and verse 14. All right, then the Lord Himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. A sign. God said will be given the virgin birth. That is the Messiah. The sign, the virgin birth defines history. It's not by chance. It was a plan. It was something that had to happen. And we see that the Gospel of Matthew calls Mary a virgin. Luke calls Mary a virgin. And Mary calls herself a virgin. So I want you to get your head around this fact. Get your heart around this fact that God humbled Himself. God humbled Himself and entered into a single cell that became an embryo, that became a fetus, that became a baby. Can you get your heart around that? Because this world doesn't get that. It doesn't get the importance of a baby. God entered into a single cell. That in itself is miraculous. He became a fetus in a womb and became a baby. Why is this important? Because this is what makes Jesus Christ unique. This is what makes Jesus so unique. God in human flesh. If Jesus is not God in human flesh, we don't have a Savior. We don't have salvation. And the Bible's a hoax. It's what we have to believe. It all hinges on the virgin birth. If Jesus had had a human father, the entire Bible would be a lie. It'd be a fabrication. So that's why the virgin birth is so important. In verse 35, in Luke 1, we see the involvement of the Holy Spirit. The angel replied to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. See, the single creative act of the Holy Spirit made this happen. And yet there are those who question the Holy Spirit's ability to impact our lives. That the Holy Spirit's not involved with us daily. To question the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives is to question God's ability of creation. <coughs> God entered into a single cell 
God entered into a single cell. And there are Christians who question the virgin birth. There are churches that question the virgin birth. This is the ultimate perversion of the gospel. So how can you believe in any of the promises of God if you don't believe in the virgin birth? The reason the holy child will be called the son of God, the angel said, is because of this single cell been entered by God. The New American Standard Version, verse 35, I'm going to read that. The angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Nothing is impossible for God. Look at verse 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. Verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. Our faith is based on the miraculous, the supernatural. Is it not? We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the resurrection. Those are not ordinary events by any means. They are supernatural. They're miraculous. If you get this, you get the promises of God. Because God can do the impossible, He can change our life. He can change who we are. Because nothing is impossible. <coughs> Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary must be overwhelmed at this point. Because she knows the implications of a girl being pregnant who has not consummated a marriage. But look what Mary said. Despite feelings of being overwhelmed, she said, I am the Lord's servant. The faithfulness of Mary is shown here. Look at verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived, and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Why go to Elizabeth? Why? Because she would understand. That's the one person who would understand what is She's been told and what has happened to her. Elizabeth had become pregnant under impossible odds. She had a miraculous pregnancy. Not immaculate, but a miraculous pregnancy. She'd be the one person who would understand. And we look at Elizabeth's response in verse 42. When Mary gave her the news, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you Above all women, your child is blessed. That was her response. It wasn't, oh, what are we going to do? She was excited. So how, how are we to view Mary? Because there's a lot of confusion about that. 
So this is how we view Mary. She's a humble woman of faith, girl of faith, who was obedient to God's will. And as we see records of her later as Jesus was in ministry, we see Mary was faithful still. We don't worship her, but we admire her faithfulness. Mary's not deity. Mary was a chosen instrument. A chosen instrument of God to birth the Son of God. But Mary wasn't the one to give him deity. You know, Jesus existed before Mary. So Mary's faithfulness is what's so special about her. And you, you think about it, these 2,000 years ago, it was the hope of all Jewish girls to fulfill the promise and be the mother of the Messiah. To be the one to fulfill prophecy. Yet Mary was the one that was chosen. And how would this news affect most women, most girls? They'd be filled with pride, a feeling of self-worth, wanting to tell everyone. That'd be the, a common response, would it not? But Mary was humble. So we see this beginning in verse 46. If you would, look in your Bibles, verse 46. And this is Mary's song of praise. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy. And He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped His bondservant Israel, helped His servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And it says in verse 56 that Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. This prayer of praise of Mary has 15 quotes in it from the Old Testament. 15. And there are several quotes from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Think about it. This is a girl. 16, 17, somewhere in that era, years old. And she prays a prayer that has 15 quotes out of the Old Testament in it. That's depth. She has great depth. She is praying Scripture. It comes from her heart. She had spent her short life up to this point, you can tell, studying Scripture. And in prayer. She had the attributes of faithfulness, even at this young age. And what we see in this prayer that Mary understands four things. First, she understands her need for a Savior. Look at verse 47. My spirit rejoices in God my 
Savior. She recognizes her need for a Savior. Number two, verse 48, she understands her place in all this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She doesn't say here that she'll be the one doing the blessing. She's not going to be the one doing the blessing. She will be called blessed. Because she's a servant. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus responds to a statement that was made about his mother. Luke 11 in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 27. As he was speaking, that is Jesus, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother from the womb you came and the breasts that nurse you. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. That was Jesus' response to someone who expressed blessings toward his mother. His mother. So nothing in Scripture supports the worship of Mary. Nothing in Scripture supports the praying to Mary. Her life was about honoring and serving God. And that's how we look at her as a chosen instrument, a vessel of importance, certainly. Because she brought the Savior, birthed the Savior into the world. The third thing she understood, she understood the sovereignty and power of God. Look at verses 49 through 52. She makes a couple of statements in there. The mighty one is holy and His mighty arm has done tremendous things. This is a statement of faith and this is an humbling prayer. If you have a small concept of God, the bigger problems are. Think about it. If we have a small concept of God, then our problems are going to be bigger. But when we have a large concept of God, our problems become smaller because we know God can do the impossible. God is in charge. So as our faith grows, our concept of God grows. This girl had a large concept of God. Fourth, Mary understood her history. In verse 53, she understood the covenant promises made to Abraham. It's important to understand the promises of God. We need all to understand the promises of God. Because these promises are what carries us through life. So we learn a lot about faith and a lot about commitment from Mary. And how can we do anything less than what Mary did in her prayer but to do the same as offer up praises and thanksgiving for the gift that He has given us. His Son. He was born so that we could be born again. I want to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to be praying. And during this time of the Christmas season, we remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And we want to give 
time during this season to remember the gift of our Savior. Let us pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your plan of how to bring Your Son into this world. We thank You for, Father, we thank You for the chosen instrument. We're thankful for Mary and what her heart was for You. And Father, we pray that during this time of the year that we stop, think, and realize this is about Jesus. It's not about the, the presence. It's about Jesus. And the presence should be secondary. And help us remember that in our heart is a bigger gift to give that we give Jesus to people. Thank you, Father. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for giving us Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.